This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash thecitadelcafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 474, for Wednesday, December 20th, the Holiday Roundtable, which we do every year. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we're into this year. Joining me, James the Civilian. Hello, James. Hello, thank you for having me back. My pleasure, my friend. Uh, it's uh, been a fun year of actually seeing you in person at least once a month, and uh, now we get to continue the trend of having you on the Holiday Roundtable. Also joining me, Stephen, and you can find Stephen at Stephen ESC on Twitch and on social media. Hello, Stephen. Hello to you. How are you? I am doing well. I have a seasonal drink. It is a plantation rum, and I'm oh, going nice. to enjoy it throughout the episode. <laughs> it's a large glass of rum, so be prepared. And finally, Alistair, Alistair McFly on Twitch and co-host of Long Range Sensors, a Star Trek retrospective podcast. Hello, Alistair. Hello. Good to be back, as always. Yes, it's been a minute since both Alistair and James have been on the show. Stephen, of course, is a regular once-a-month co-host. Uh, so usually at the top of the show, we like to check in and see what's going on uh, in the nerdy realm as of late. And we'll start with James. So, James, what's in the last few weeks or so? Like, what's been new? What's been happening in the nerdy life? I've been doing a lot of uh, game emulation lately. I've really gotten into game emulation. I've got the really nice hmm. MacBook Pro for my own just kind of personal use. And uh, they're really powerful now. They've come a long way in terms of being great game emulation devices. So I've been, you know, kind of like PlayStation 2, GameCube era kind of game emulation. And they uh, they all work really nicely with like modern game controllers as well. So I've been able to use like my Nintendo Switch Pro controller. So uh, that's kind of the newest nerdy thing I think I've been up to in the last few weeks. I've always wanted to grab one of those emulator boxes. I think a couple of years ago, the... Nintendo Entertainment System and the Super Nintendo were really popular and they were really tiny like they were little like the little size of a Walkman and you would just use them as like a little set top box and they would have like 20 or 30 games or something on them kind of like the key the key games from that era in gaming and I remember you know Street Fighter 2 and Super Mario World and all that kind of stuff I mean that was that might have even come out before the Switch because I think people that have Switches can just go buy those legacy games and play them on the Switch right? So Nintendo has like their online service that you can pay for and it's two tiered now uh, and depending on which tier you get, you get access to so many of those old school games. So uh, it's part of their subscription service. Uh, oh. I think it's like 25 bucks for 20 bucks a year for the lower tier and 50 bucks a year for the higher tier or something like that. 50 yeah. bucks a yeah. year or a month? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a, year. a year. Okay. A, a year. year. I was like, you said $20. I was like, oh my gosh, there's Nintendo doesn't no. have a catalog deep enough for that. <laughs> for twenty dollars a month? No, no, it's yearly. It might be a little more. That might be American pricing. I might yeah. give you, but even still, it's very cheap compared to like the offerings from Microsoft or Sony. And uh, I think the higher tier gets you like Nintendo sixty four and Game Boy Advance stuff, and the lower tier gets you Game Boy Color, Super Nintendo, NES. Wow! And if you go a little bit higher, you can get the uh, the family pack, which is what I've got. 
they don't have like GameCube era stuff though. So like the new new, or I shouldn't say new new. It's like twenty years old at this point. But some of that newer stuff is still not available through Nintendo services in a in yeah. a good way, other than the the odd remaster they might put out here or there. So that's one advantage of Game Pass is that you've got studios that are owned by Microsoft uh, now, uh, Bethesda, and uh, I can't remember the studio that made um, Halo off the top of my head, the latest Halo. But like those AAA games come out with my monthly sub. The monthly sub is 20 bucks. Like it, it rivals Netflix, but the catalog is pretty deep. I will say that I don't have time to play all the games that I have access to. And so that's pretty good. Uh, and I feel like what I like about the Microsoft subscription is there seems to be a really solid offering in every genre. Like if you like racing games, there's at least one if not a couple, you know, if you like fighting games, there's at least a couple of those, you know, if you like first person shooters, there's a ton. And then RPGs and adventure kind of map out the rest of it. The only criticism I would have is that a lot of the time it's indie games. And so that can be a crapshoot as to whether it's going to be a good time or not. Uh, sometimes they're good. Uh, sometimes they're a game that you've never heard of. And you're just like, Oh no, this is really cool. I'm playing one called mm -hmm. Luna. And that's like a platformer and it's, it's sweet, you know, like it's, it's very chill, uh, and, and it's a puzzle game and that's, that's fine. Uh, but I wouldn't have heard about it otherwise outside of the um, subscription. And then there's other games that like, I've definitely heard of, and I just, they're on my list, like, um, Gears of War, Gotham Knights, the, the new offering from like the people that made the Arkham games and, or Arkham style games, I guess. And what else do I have on my playlist right now? Or not playlist, but like my short they call it play later. You can kind of bookmark stuff. So you can, you can create your own short list of things. A couple of Star Wars titles that I haven't gotten to. And there is, uh, oh, Starfield, which I didn't really continue to play because it, it didn't really grab me. And also now No Man's Sky. So there's, there's a couple of games. Uh, I mean, like I, I am already invested anyway, and I play Java Minecraft. But for people that were into things like Minecraft and Minecraft and No Man's Sky, there are some games on offer on Microsoft Game Pass that are huge sandbox games like hundreds if not thousands of hours can be spent in these games and i think that um that certainly helps add to the value of the subscription service but i does I imagine playstation has the same i don't uh i'm not a playstation user i don't think anybody else here is either alistair you don't you just do you just do computer games right i have an old playstation 3 uh but that's about as recent as i go for that got the playstation 5 and oh you do i do yeah i'm not as familiar with sony's offerings as i am nintendo it's a bit more my understanding is anyway it's a bit more hit or miss with sony they do have some kind of like streaming game offering and that's how you can get a lot of the older stuff um, and you can buy some of the older games just kind of piecemeal but it's not quite on the level of a game pass or even like a switch online where you get like all the the old stuff really readily uh, and available, especially when you get into third-party stuff, because Sony, um, that third-party library is really what makes Sony so great. But it's it's okay, but it's still not on the level of a Game Pass yet, I think. The thing that I like about Game Pass uh, is that if you have a favorite that was like an Xbox 360 game or even an Xbox uh, One game, then you can play that. And it's only been recently, I think, that some of the titles on Game Pass have been current-gen a lot of the game pass titles were previous gen and 
that's fine but especially if there's a well-made game good story but you're not going to necessarily see the graphic fidelity that the xbox is capable of i've got a series x unless you're playing something brand new like a forza you know horizon 5 uh or um what's another one i guess i mean i didn't like the gameplay but starfield looked pretty and i'm trying to think about something else that i've been playing that has like next-gen graphics but I, it's slipping my mind um i guess no man's sky uses it for the lighting but no man's sky is also it's not a current gen game it was kind of made for the previous generation it'll be interesting to see what happens with newer offerings as things march on i know that um the release date on game pass games is now getting into more like 2021 you know 2019 where it's before a lot of them were like 2015 2017 that kind of deal and so they're a lot newer now which is cool Alistair, what has been on your nerdy plate the last little while? My annual rewatch of Stargate. It uh, starts as it uh, always does, where it's just like, oh, you know, I need to just watch like a couple of episodes, and then suddenly I'm just in the thick of it, and it's just nonstop Stargate. Uh, so I've just been working my way through that. But the other big thing I've been doing is working on my passion project that I've been doing over the last several months. And I'm now starting to reach the end of the clearing where I feel like I'm not too far away from launching it. So it's my website called Nostalgia Zone. It's uh, really a love letter to the old internet and just a place for me to get back into writing. Because I used to, I mean, you'll, you'll remember this, Joel, from like, a couple of websites that I've had. You know, I've had some stuff where I've written articles and things. And this is where I get to just talk more about just stuff that makes me feel nostalgic and uh, and that I love. So there'll be a lot of stuff about old toys and, uh, you know, and, and game systems and things like that, which will, will be a lot of fun. But the website is being built on period hardware using period software, and it's all being written in HTML4. So it's really fast. Um, and it just looks <laughs> like an old website from the late nineties and early two thousands. And, uh, it's, I, I've been really enjoying doing it. There's, um, a lot of like the old advertising buttons that you would see. I've been trying to find like old advertising banners and they actually link to actual websites in the internet archive. Um, it's been a whole thing that's, I think I started work on it about a year ago. Wow. So it's, yeah. It's, it's been about a year's work. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing that as well as bringing long-wing sensors back. So um, it's not been like non-stop, but a lot of my downtime has basically just been going back to this. And it's nice going back and just coding again the way that I did when I first started out because I, I taught myself HTML4 back when that was the latest thing. And so it's it's been kind of therapeutic in a way. I remember learning HTML, but I don't remember what version it was. It would have been around the late 90s i guess mm. uh it would have been around when i was in university because that's when i started putting some of my work online and started doing comic work and trying to get freelance stuff around 2001 2002 i would have been in animation school i would i would have definitely had a website when i was done animation school because i would have been trying to find a job so yeah that was I'd definitely say that would have been yeah i would say that that was probably html4 probably four the yeah. yeah i tell you what the thing that has probably been the most surprising is how many times I'll put something in and be like, why doesn't this work? And then realizing that that was HTML5. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. right, that came later. <laughs> that didn't exist back then. 
uh, and trying to get a website that not only looks and feels and evokes the kind of nostalgia that you would have from that time. This is designed to work on classic browsers and modern browsers. So I've got to get cross compatibility over 25 years. Wow. And that has, that has been an interesting challenge, but it's been fun. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun and I, I can't wait to release it. Uh, still not quite there yet, but we're getting there, which is good. Well, when you have it ready, uh, let me know. And we'll obviously have you back on the show to talk about it and be able to share it with people and have a link and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've seen snippets. I think I've just seen screenshots. I don't know if, I feel like we may have been hanging out one time and you showed yeah, me like I a working version. I can't remember. That's exactly. right. I, sh I showed you an early build of it. Yeah. Um, if you, I think probably about three months ago. Yeah. When, when I think I was it was here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was at your place, yeah. Yeah, and um and like it I mean it immediately looks exactly like what I remember the, you know, late 90s early 2000s web to to be as far as my uh, limited experience was at the time cuz I believe I had a home computer but I don't think we had home internet until after I was done high school. I think any internet stuff came for me in university when I was uh where of course they had like a local network and we were playing StarCraft <laughs> in in the dorms, um, but also nice. we had also we had you know the internet for school and research and stuff like that, which is great. Uh, but it was yeah, it was a while. Uh, I don't think I even had a personal computer until my senior year. I think I bought it after my third year in university and took it back with me for my senior year because I was the editor at the school paper, uh, not the editor, the um, comics editor, comics section editor, mm. and. Uh, yeah, no, I did, that was a while ago. And uh, I needed it because I had to do like layout and stuff. And I used to bring the layout. I, I'd have it at home. And here's to, to get people uh, to realize how long ago this was. It was faster and more reliable for me to put the layout for the paper on a zip disk and walk it <laughs> to the lab, to the to the newspaper lab and put it on the Mac there and, and have them be have it be inter you know part of the printing process than it Good was for me to try to net. send it somewhere <laughs> like it was yeah. just it was faster to use a backpack which was not great in minus 30 in new brunswick you know in january but uh but it had to be done yeah good old sneaking it i uh I, I was actually at one point thinking like with this old computer that i've got do i do i hook that up so that it's on the network no i've got zip disks so I'm doing that exact same thing. When I want to just transfer something from my old uh, Mac to my new Mac, I'm just shoving it onto a zip disk and transferring it over. So I'm, I'm back to the old sneaker net, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I used to do that from Mac to PC here in the studio. I used to have to do that until I got used to using Google and, and other things like that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's wild when you think about how far things have come. At the same time, though, as someone that has to use like two or three different browsers to manage you know, two or three different podcasts and personal accounts for different media and outlets and stuff like that, browsing and browsers are bloated and, and cause me no end of grief uh, in, <laughs> in, in my day to day where like I, there's a couple of times, depending on the website where you just kind of like, you click on this thing and like, all right, I'm going to go for fill my glass of water because I have to wait just to type in this text field. Like it is infuriating sometimes. Then I think you'll feel at home on the nostalgia zone because th there's none of that. It is, it is incredibly fast. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Nice. Very, very cool. Steven, what's been in your nerdy calendar lately? For me, I've started reading a book called Axiom's End. 
this past month. It's um, science fiction novel by Lindsay Ellis. It's said in 2007, and I haven't quite figured out why it was said in 2007. It's possible that it was that the author was trying to get it in before the smartphone era, just so they didn't have to worry about oh yeah the the connectedness connectedness of all of the well yeah people would just be so much more connected as soon as the smartphones became popular. So maybe it was just a you know trying to avoid that, but yeah, overall it's it's pretty good. It's a essentially it's about a U.S. government cover up of contact with extra extraterrestrial life, and the main character is conveniently. I mean, it's there's no surprise. You kind of read it on the back of the book. It's just conveniently a former linguistics student that becomes the main contact point for first contact with aliens. So it's like essentially the only human that can communicate with them, even though they never finished their communications degree. So, or ling linguistics degree. So there's, you know, kind of eye roll at the convenience of, <laughs> of that school, like, you know, that education choice just happening to, to work out in favor of um, the storyline, but overall it's pretty good. Um, it feels like it's picked up now. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit, but for the first little bit, I found it uh, a little bit confusing in terms of, uh, I, I feel like they could have used, some Oxford commas in there to break up the sentences a little bit more. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the main character's name is Cora, but then her mom's name is Demi and her aunt's name is Luciana. But they didn't never really refer to them as um, her mom or her aunt, or it was always just a lot of first person naming, which just sort of confused it. It didn't, it didn't really kind of in, in my mind anyway, didn't really separate just um, or um, clarify their familial relationship really well, just because just first name basis seemed odd at first. But either way, it's pretty good. I'm about uh, halfway through now, so it's enjoying it enough to keep reading it. I think it's impressive that you're halfway through a book. I I tend to bail within the first couple of chapters, and it's of no like it's no fault of the book. It's a fault mm -hmm. of my own personal habits of like watching YouTube and being on my phone and then going from phone right to bed, you know, like I just, I don't, I don't tend to have a reading habit. So like, I just, I applaud the yeah. fact that you're reading a book <laughs> with all the screens that we have these days. Yeah. I don't have much of a reading habit either. It's just, uh, I've actually been thinking I'm, I might try, <laughs> see if I can commit to it, try to read like one book a month. Mm. But my, my problem is, is as soon as I start, I'm basically non-existent in other realms of my life until the book is done because I like I and my wife she's good at reading a chapter and going oh that was great looking forward to reading it tomorrow and for me I read the end of the chat get to an end of a chapter and it seems interesting enough to push me on to the next one it's like so long sleep we're continuing <laughs> and then I'll yeah. just you know basically until my eyes feel like sandpaper at three o'clock in the morning sometimes and I'll just I'll go to bed I binge my books the way I would binge a Netflix show the way that you're going through these books is pretty much how it is for me in stargate so i can mm. absolutely uh, relate to that yeah so I, I kind of have to strategically pick when i'm wanting to start a book because i know that if i do then it's uh, other other things will suffer if i start a book so <laughs> but if i plan if i say okay one a month and i know for it you know that four to five chunk day chunk of time i'm going to be non-productive then i'm good with that but I think for me, and I, I know I've mentioned this on the show before, it's it's about comfort. I don't really have a good spot to sit and read. And mm. the, the living room's okay. Uh, 
but I spend so much of the living time in the living room watching TV that it just kind of feels like the same old, same old. And I, I could, you know, make an effort to read in bed, but like, I just, I don't find reading in bed comfortable. Oh, no. Like I find my back hurts within 20 minutes. I'm just, you know, not there. But what I used to do in fine weather, especially after the winter, as soon as springtime hits and I can sit outside in a hoodie when, you know, 10 degrees, that kind of thing. And the warm sunshine, I I'd grab lunch outside. And then after I'd finish eating, I'd sit there and read for half an hour, 45 minutes. And nice. I, I found that was a nice habit because it was, it would break up the computer time during the day and all that. And, um, I did find it easier to do when I wasn't reading like narrative. Like if I was doing a biography, like I had a Disney bio that I was reading, I was reading some world of Warcraft Chronicle books, which were just like history of the, you know, mythical world, not really store. Like they were stories, but it wasn't like one big novel. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I did find that, um, one of the sci-fi novels that I was reading lately, which is good. And I know I've, I've talked about it, but I just, I'm blanking on the name right now because it's been so long. And then I have that problem of like, oh crap, it's been like four months since I've picked up that book. I'm not even sure if I remember where I am. Even if you did, you almost have to go back and read some more of it just to kind of yeah. bring yourself back up to speed. At least a chapter. I've certainly done that where I've backed up a, a chapter before. And mm -hmm. I'm still reading Patrick Stewart's book, but I find that that's easier to pick up and put down in smaller chunks because he's telling like small snippets about his life, not necessarily like you have to right. read the entire chapter in one sitting sort of deal. So that's been, that's been fun. The nerdy thing for me is that I canceled Disney Plus. And we've been talking about this back and forth uh, a couple of times over the last few months on the show about yeah. the streaming services getting more and more expensive and some of them not offering what I feel are, you know, equivalent to the value. In Canada, Disney Plus jumped from $11.99 a month to $14.99 a month. Now that is before tax, which around here is 15%. So we're up into the $17.50 range by the time taxes are on that. And now that's for the 4K Ultra HD HDR, no ads. That's the plan. I go for the 4K on these services because I have a 4K TV and I just, I want to enjoy the picture from the shows or movies that offer it. It's, it's a very cool experience. So I want to go there. Uh, mm -hmm. It is only $11.99 or still $11.99 for 1080p HD, no ads. But here's the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way. It's $7.99 a month for HD with ads. Now I get that they're offering some tiers, but like if you're paying $8 plus tax, you're into the 10 buck range and there's advertisements. Like I, I would just, I would be so, <laughs> I mean, I know it's geared to like force people into the 1199, the middle tier. Like that's always what they want you to buy. They don't want you to buy the small. They don't want you to buy necessarily the extra large. They want you to buy the large all the time. Right. They want that to feel like the best value. Starbucks does the same thing. And I just, I just don't feel that Disney plus has the constant library that Netflix does to warrant something that's pushing 20 bucks. Netflix mm -hmm. for me is a little over $20 again, because I go for the 4k HDR, um, package, but it offers a ton of stuff. And a lot of it is all like Disney, uh, original content from the service provider. So a lot of Disney stuff that I want is star Wars, either animated stuff or Marvel. And that's not going anywhere. That's not leaving the platform because it's Disney, right? So they're always going to keep that kind of long shelf life on, on those. Um, so that's good. And that I don't feel bad walking away from something like Disney plus, cause I don't feel like I'm going to miss anything. I'll just resub whenever the next star Wars show that's worth watching comes around. 
and looking ahead it doesn't seem like that's going to be for a while so it could be a little bit without without disney plus the only thing that i i find i might be i might succumb to is like if i do want to watch some of the star wars films or if i do want to re-watch some of the marvel films which i have done from time to time i'll have to resub for the month to do that so i'll have to pick and choose my battles there but uh, i'll probably try to coincide that subscription month with something at least new that's on Disney plus that, that I'd be interested in, but, um, it's part of my January culling. I will be temporarily canceling <laughs> Netflix. Cause I think avatar, the last airbender comes out in March or something. They're a live action version of that. So I'm only going to be unsubbed from Netflix for a little while until something else comes out that I want to watch on it. Um, but I'm, and I'm only unsubbing from Netflix just cause it's the most expensive of all of the things. And the other streaming services that I'm, I'm taking part in, are things like Amazon Prime, which is tied into my Prime, you know, shipping and and other services that are bundled. So it makes sense to keep the ones that are bundled because I need the other stuff anyway. So those those services are staying. Uh, but yeah, n- n- uh, not Netflix. Uh, Disney Plus got the axe this week. So uh, and I did it right after they charged me to send a message, <laughs> like oh, <laughs> seventeen forty whatever. They, screw you! I'm unsubscribing. Why, why did you unsubscribe, Joel? Because it's too expensive. Check the box, send. <laughs> like just, I think so much of it too, because I follow a lot of like artists and creators and other people that do this kind of thing on the internet. And some of the, you know, were very supportive of the acting strikes and the writer strikes in the US. And just to know that, you know, Disney was trying to get like blood from the stone and then they're jacking the price of the streaming service, which I can't cost them that much money. You know, like they're just, it's evergreen content and it's like, yes, they're producing new things, but like the amount of people that are subbed on Disney plus, I don't understand how th- they can justify the $3 increase, which three bucks doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, it's a good, like 30% more, you know, anyway, I don't think it's worth it. Um, I think that I need to get in a better habit of subbing and unsubbing to these services, which is very easy to do. You mm-hmm. know, um, I remembered to do it this month cause I made a big red note in my calendar to say like unsub after, right after you pay the bill on December 19th unsub, because I wanted it for Christmas. Cause some of my favorite Christmas specials are on Disney. And so I'll watch some stuff over Christmas and then it'll just naturally run out midway through January. And then that's it. And I don't have to worry about remembering to cancel in January, you know? So in this process, I think I'm also kind of trying to roll some of my subscriptions back around to the first of the month so that I can kind of like sub and unsub like right at the first and kind of keep it nice and tidy. That's just weird bookkeeping, Joel, <laughs> wanting things in order. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's not something that um, I'm going to be continuing, which is like just keeping these services on in the background because I've noticed that nine times out of 10, when I sit in front of the TV, I'm turning on YouTube and watching some of my favorite creators on YouTube, which I do pay for Like I pay for premium so I don't, so I don't have ads. But like, if I look at the amount of time I spend on YouTube, the fact that it comes to like 14 bucks taxes in, it's worth it given the amount of time and the amount of content that's there. But it doesn't measure up when you compare some of these other services. So anyway, that's kind of where <laughs> I landed on that. And speaking of these streaming services, uh, this is where we're going to move into our main discussion. And this is kind of a, just a loose idea I had for looking ahead to 2024 and the trends that I've seen. And we've been talking about more and more on the Citadel Cafe over the last year, maybe even the last two years. So 
got a couple of different topics. We can kind of bounce back and forth between them because I feel like they're kind of related. And the first is upcoming films and series in early 2024 that we're looking forward to. Uh, I'll have a link in the chat to a short list. People can reference it if they want. And the other thing is limited series versus film releases. So for the longest time on the Sizzle Cafe, we were always talking about a new series or like a TV series that would have been on like a terrestrial television show like Game of Thrones or something like that. And then now we're talking more about limited series, like a good example would be Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, six episodes, that kind of thing. And the franchises that we follow seem to lean towards these limited series or series in general, because like I just mentioned, they keep you around on the streaming services longer than just a single film. And uh, we still have films and we still have some films releasing on streaming and we still have some films releasing in box office. But for the most part, it seems like a lot of the offerings from Marvel and Star Wars and some of the big things that we follow a lot on this show seem to be going the way of series. So I'm wondering how we're all kind of feeling about that. And then when it comes to that kind of stuff, when it comes to those franchises, those IPs, do we want more from things like Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek? Or are we happy to see new entries in the fantasy genre and sci-fi genre, time travel, you know, like the, the nerdier side of, of films and entertainment like do we want that to be more unique or are we happy for star wars 19 you know or whatever you know we get in the next little while so we'll start with james so in terms of anything that's coming new in 2024 and then you don't have to have a long list but if you have one or two things that are kind of sticking in your mind as like you're looking forward to that next year anything come to mind it's a short list i'm not one to keep up with the latest and greatest I tend to be kind of delayed and pick and choose uh, from the back catalog, if you will. Um, there are a couple things out in 2024 and actually coming out later in 2023 even that I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, start off with a, a classic, Star Trek Loradex. There's another season coming, I'm pretty sure. Maybe Alistair can can confirm that for me. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure there's another season coming. Yes, there is, yeah. Excellent. The, the way they ended it, it seemed like there's another season coming. It's it's not wrapped up. It's not ended. They're, they're still continuing with that show. Yeah, Thanks they ended me. on a bit of a cliffhanger too. So it seemed like there's yeah. another season coming. And uh, I've mentioned it before. That's kind of like my wife's Star Trek. That's the one I can sit down with her and watch and she can really <laughs> enjoy. So it's a nice thing we can do together and I can share the, the fandom with her. So I always look forward to another season of Lower Decks. Yeah. yeah, I think the plan is five seasons. I think I recall hearing. So this might be the last one coming up, but uh, who knows? And uh, Mike McMahon, too, has made some statements that, like, uh, maybe this might be it the next season. You know, it's been five years. Paramount's looking to yeah. cut costs. That Those kind of statements have been coming out. So, yeah, this might be the last season, Alex. I think you might be right. Um, in terms of 2023, there's a couple things already out that I want to watch. I have not watched the new Ninja Turtles movie yet. I want to try and get to that over Christmas. Mm. Especially where uh, my older son has like started to show an interest in Ninja Turtles. So I was like, oh, okay, this is a good excuse to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, and then as well, going back to 2024, there's a couple of uh, couple anime movies coming out. Uh, Spy Family was the, the big anime hit of last year. If I was on last year, I would have been raving about Spy Family. Uh, they got a movie coming out uh, sometime around Christmas, actually, 2023, and coming to North America in 2024. Uh, so that's pretty, pretty cool. And... There's a, a wrestling movie from A24. Uh, A24 Studios have been making a lot of really good movies, critically acclaimed movies. And they have a wrestling movie coming out uh, called The Iron Claw about the Von Erich wrestling family. And that's coming out soon as well, actually. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. But 
yeah, I don't have a, a big list. Uh, I know I said three or four things there, but I don't have a, a big list overall. I'm usually behind on the upcoming stuff. We've talked about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem on the show. I think the mm -hmm. last time we talked about it was October 11th when I saw it, but I think you saw it in the summer, Stephen. It was like August 9th or something. So we've talked about it a couple of times and 100% worth a watch. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can we discuss, I mean, age range on your, your son, James? Because I think there's some of the humor might be a little old. He's pre-K still, so doesn't quite get all of it, but, you know, it's bright and colorful and action-packed. Probably no harm, no foul. Anything's going to go over his head. Yeah. <laughs> That's inappropriate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all going over his head. And the voice acting for the Turtles is really good, and I feel like mm. it really would land well with that age group because they're, they, they're all teenagers. They've got some of them, like, high, squeaky voices when they get hurt and stuff like that, so it kind of, I, I think it would lend itself well to yeah to that age range so it, it'll be enjoyable even if they don't get it all it'll still be enjoyable yeah and like i said we go to the toy store too now and uh we when we walk down the toy aisle he always picks up the ninja turtle stuff now like okay. i don't really know where that where that came from but he <laughs> got there himself but i was like okay I, i'm okay with that i like ninja turtles i could i could bond over that <laughs> yeah i could totally bond over ninja turtles absolutely <laughs> Uh, one thing and I wanted to say, Joel. machine over at mine if, uh, if you guys need to come over and play sometime as well. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned that, Alistair. One of the arcades here at the mall, uh, one of the local malls here, they have a little arcade, and one of the machines is a Ninja Turtles machine. And sure mm. enough, this weekend, what did he want to do? He wanted to go to the arcade, and he found the Ninja Turtles machine. Nice. And he really, he's like, Daddy, I want to play. So I had to go get the coins. And I had to go, I had to play every Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I died, and I had to play every single Ninja Turtle before he let me go. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to add one thing to your your previous statement, Joel, uh, about the streaming services. Uh, I've actually started building out a movie collection because of the price hikes on uh, some of the streaming services and stuff coming and going from services. So when I do get the urge to to watch an old favorite, I don't have to sign up for a new service. I've got it on the mm. shelf, and uh, you know, Blu-rays are cheap now. Like I got Jurassic Park for five bucks on Blu-ray at Walmart. Nice, great, Jeez, looks really good. Smart. Yeah, it looks really nice on the big TV. I've got the PlayStation Five. I've got the nice player. Um, even some of the 4K stuff now, some of it's still really expensive, but yeah. some of it is starting to come down in price where it's like kind of reasonable. Like I got the four pack of the Kirk Star Trek movies for like 50 bucks on on 4K. And uh, I bought Star Trek six separately as well. And I watched that on the big TV and it looks fantastic. Just hmm. that that un uncompressed video signal. You know, Disney Plus has really good 4K uh, support, actually. But even still, having that uncompressed 4K signal on the local machine, on the TV, for relatively good price, it, it looks really nice. And yeah, I've really taken to building out a physical media collection in the last, you know, three, four, five months just because of all those price hikes. I have the 4K TV, but it's not the fanciest panel. So... I don't get the highest frame rate and it does a good kind of like interpolation for things like video games where it'll give you like 2k or it'll prefer preference saying like, do you want performance and frame rate for like first person shooter competitive stuff, which I don't do, or do you want it to look good? And I was like, well, I always go for like, look the best you can. I don't really care whether my frames, I'm not, I'm not going to notice, you know, playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla or something that, that my frames are not hitting a crisp, you know, 60 frames a second. I'm not going to bring that in um but I've, i remember correctly last time we we had a beard you have a nice tv you've got like a sony sony tv right yeah i got a sony 65 inch tv hooked up to the playstation downstairs the upscaling on nicer panels and uh combined with either like the next gen consoles like you have that would be a better experience i don't know that i've tried to watch 
I think I have watched The Fellowship of the Ring, and that's a regular DVD. That's not a well, no, it's a Blu-ray, but it's it's not it's not a 4K version, and so it must look okay. But that's one of those films where like I'm not really gonna be that worried if it looks a little bit more like a film, you know, like it it, it it's it might look a little bit too digital if it went to a full 4K resolution on an upscale but uh, i'm i the only time i've actually watched something in 4k it's been in a streaming situation so i don't have any any hard hmm. media locally to compare it to so to talk about my experience a little bit um like i watch star trek 6 locally 4k with the tv and the playstation and on the one hand yeah it's a movie from 1991 and it, it looks it in some scenes but there are other scenes where that hdr signal really whips off the tv like one scene mm. that really stands out is when uh uh the klingons come for dinner on the enterprise and and chang is really like right up in kirk's face and i just remember that lighting on his face in the transporter room just looks so good in hdr on the big tv so it it, it kind of depends a little bit on the movie and the age but even though it looks like a movie from 1991 still it still looked really good on on the panel so uh, you can have really good experiences but kind of to your point too you, you, know, you need to have a, a studio that kind of does that right if you know what i mean it does mm -hmm. does right by the material and really makes it look good rather than just a quick uh a quick port but i mean even blu-ray still like i'm watching stuff uh, on blu-ray i'm watching some anime on blu-ray actually from 20 years ago and it looks great on the on the tv even on blu-ray uh so, like I said, it's it's really cheap now. Some prices on some of that stuff are really starting to come down, and you can build an okay collection for a pretty reasonable price. Steven, anything on your short list that you're looking forward to in 2024? I guess the two biggest things I'm looking forward to are not necessarily, they're a little ways off, but uh, Arcane Season 2 is supposed to drop in November. Oh, nice. And then Spider-Man Beyond the, Beyond the Spider-Verse. Uh, it was supposed to come out in March, but uh, with the actor's strike, it looks like it's been pushed back and the official date is to be determined or to be announced. <laughs> so uh, for me, like Spider-Man Across, Across Spider-Verse, I'm talking, I guess, for people who aren't familiar, there's the, uh, the animated series that follows uh, Miles Morales as the main character as opposed to Peter Parker. And the second movie in the series, the Across the Spider-Verse, is like, it's my kind of viewing slash movie highlight of 2023. I thought it was so good. We bought it. Watched it a second time. It is, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So, yeah, short list. I mean, I've got other things on my, those are my two must-see things that I, I want to see for sure. And then then other things like Madam Web, Dune 2, th things that I think will be cool, uh, big screen theater experiences, but they're not, I don't, if I miss them, then I won't be terribly terribly disappointed. Right. But yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the Beyond the Spider-Verse, I'm going to I'm do what I can to make myself go see that in the theater. I'm going to learn from my mistake this year and go see that third one in theater with you or just on my own, uh, because I, um, I still haven't seen across the spider verse. I'm waiting for it to come out on a streaming service where I can just, it's part of the subscription right now. You can rent it and you've been able to rent it for right. a month or more, but I'm waiting for it to kind of hit the, the streaming services and just hasn't yet. So hopefully if it, if it ever comes to Disney, uh, hopefully it happens before <laughs> the 19th of January, yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise I'm going to miss out. Um, but I've seen, I mean, uh, into the spider verse has been on Netflix for a really long time. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll come there as well. And the nice thing about those is that they're that kind of mix of like, you know, it's, it's still part of Marvel, which is part of Disney, but it's still a Sony thing. And so there, it's a separate entity. And so it has a little bit more of a freedom as to where it's available streaming, which is, which is nice. 
and it's if possible better than the first one so yeah looking forward to the third one i didn't real i forgot all about arcane i kind of i just kind of look at these things that are such high quality animation think like well whatever that was fantastic but the next one is miles away because these things take so long to make yeah and uh, i guess it's been a year since the first arcane series or close to it uh so having another the series two come out in, in 2024 would be great that's i'm looking forward to that um I, on my short list, it's technically it's 2023 uh, and it's not something I'm champing at the bit to see, but I'm just kind of like looking at it like, yeah, I'll watch it with low expectations. And that's Rebel Moon Part One that comes out tomorrow on Netflix. Oh, right. Yeah. 11 p.m. Atlantic, because I guess they like to time these things now, probably specifically for <laughs> Pacific, wherever Zack Snyder lives. Um, so because that's the director and creative mind behind this, I really don't have any expectations for it but that could be a good thing you could walk in with a very low bar and then being like you know what that wasn't bad you know and uh obviously it's not going to conclude because it's a part one uh, but part two is coming out somewhere in may i think to netflix so it's not even a full year before you get the second half of it uh so in a in a similar mm. situation to dune it's like a two-part series uh, unless dune is gonna part three i don't know um but speaking of uh sci-fi and things in 2024 i am looking forward to star wars acolyte uh that is going to be i think late probably like november or fall uh as well as star wars the bad batch season three i'm really glad to have been proven wrong i really didn't like the first experience with bad batch in the seventh season of clone wars and then the first couple of episodes of season one i was like i don't know i continued through it and i got hooked and then season two was fantastic so i'm really looking forward to seeing how they handle season three now that they're getting so close to other big moments in star wars canon and i think it's a really interesting window so i'm looking forward to that uh jedi sorry tales of the jedi season two is also something i'm looking forward to more animation from star wars which is always really fun and uh this is probably on your list alistair ghostbusters frozen empire comes out march 29th i really uh, liked afterlife so yeah that's on my short list for sure and yeah rounding out my short list is transformers one which i only just heard about it's supposed to be coming out in huh. september of 2024 which seems strange because it's an animated feature and you'd think that at this point they'd at least have a trailer uh so it's not necessarily a good sign but it's animated so it's not another live action transformers film it's set on cybertron and it's supposed to focus on the relationship between optimus prime and megatron uh and it's all animated so that could look very cool for anybody that recalls bumblebee and the animated sequence at the start of that film uh that would be very cool to see in a full-length feature i mm-hmm. can't believe it's taken them this long to even try it uh with the tech <laughs> i mean transformers are made for cg animation and they've done some tv shows but they're always really limited and tv has to be cranked out so having uh, a cg level you know of animation for film i think would be just incredible i again tentative on it because it just it seems like it's coming out very soon having not heard about it before so we'll have to see how that goes alistair what's on your short list ghostbusters frozen empire absolutely that <laughs> is pretty much a given uh, and whilst you guys are all dropping your disney plus subscriptions uh i'm still on the hook because doctor who is coming by for a christmas special and then early in the new year we end up with the new doctor uh starting their full series then as well played by shooty gutwa uh, so that's that's very very exciting for all of us hoobians 
And <laughs> then we've got uh, a bunch of Star Trek stuff uh, coming out as well. So Lower Decks, we've already mentioned. Uh, Discovery begins its fifth and final season in April. So that'll be wrapping up. And then uh, there's two more which may or may not be in 2024. Uh, we've got Strange New Worlds. They've just started filming their next season. And they should be wrapping around June, which means that if we do get it, it would be at either the very tail end of 2024, but it might go into 2025. Uh the other one would be Star Trek Prodigy, which got cancelled, and they were so close to finishing uh, making season two, and they recently announced that they have completed it, and they're currently shopping it around. So I don't know what service that's going to come out on, but season two is ready uh, for Star Trek Prodigy, so, so that's pretty good. Um, and then... The only other two that are really sort of on my big list, uh, Deadpool 3, very interested to see what they do with that, especially as to how that's going to tie in with the wider MCU. And one that's less on the nerdy side, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the next Mission Impossible movie, which I believe is 2024. I need to just double check, but I'm pretty sure it's next year that that comes out. That might have gotten pushed. I didn't see it on this list that I was going over. Yeah, that might be 2025, so I might be jumping the gun on that one. Uh, but I did love the last one, and I, I really, really need to see the, <laughs> the follow-up part <laughs> two to that for Dead Reckoning. The thing that I was looking for in 2024 that I did not see was a big Marvel tentpole movie, and that's because Captain America Brave New World got pushed to 2025. That was supposed to yeah. be the big summer blockbuster mm -hmm. for Marvel. Um, and there's still Deadpool 3, but I, I don't really adore Deadpool. Like, I'll watch it, I'll stream it, but I'm not really going to be going out of my way. Just like you said, Stephen, like, I'll see it if people want to go, but I'm not going to be kicking myself if I miss Deadpool 3 in theater. Like, I'm not going to be lining up right. to see that one. Dune Part 2, that's another one not really high on my list. And Madam Web mm -hmm. was the other Marvel offering. That's a film or a series coming February 14th. I think it's a film. And it just looks weird and forced. And I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of Spider-Man offshoots. Um, I tried to get through the second Venom movie on Netflix recently, and I never finished uh. it. I ended up being on my phone. It was rough. And I there's there's a lot of this stuff where they've got like the forced comedy and people think that there's a James Gunn formula to follow and they're just kind of inserting it where it doesn't belong. And so I'm hoping that they can get away from that and... I really, looking over the different things on offer from Marvel as far as series, because there really isn't any films um, that are like the MCU as we've been talking about it for the last few years, that I just don't see anything of any interest to me. Uh, I, I think that there might be, and maybe it's good that they take a break. You know, like I, I kind of wonder if they just kind of cool it for a little bit and then kick it off in 2025 there with um, with Captain America if that would get people excited again, excited to get back into the MCU with characters that they love and they haven't seen for a little while. Cause I mean, everybody loves the whole Sam Bucky <laughs> bromance, right? Like <laughs> I'm, I, I really enjoyed yeah. that series. That was one of the better series that we had um, from Marvel on Disney plus was the, the Falcon and the winter soldier. 
So looking at these series and uh, films and limited series specifically, because I think that those are the ones where you almost have to retrain your brain when you experience them because you're used to having season one. And then if it's good, maybe they'll get a season two. Whereas sometimes these series are only two seasons and there are only ever going to be two seasons. And I think one of my examples that I did not like was Loki. And I... I feel like because it was a limited series with a two season um, expanse, they kind of like they pushed it to fill those two seasons when it really could have been just one long season or they could have been more concise and have the whole thing just happen in, in a single season. I don't think it needed the 20 episodes or 16 episodes it had. I think that season two specifically was kind of a drag for me. I like how it ended. And I know that Tom Hiddleston has said that he's done with Loki. So I thought that that was a good wrap. Like, I think they really did that character justice. I just felt like they took a really long meandering way to get there. And as with anything that deals with time travel, there's just so many loops and repeats and kind of like those processes that I found a little bit tiring. Example of a good miniseries that I can think of was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Ahsoka is a good limited series. And Lessons in Chemistry, to get a little bit away from from the sci-fi fantasy stuff, but a really good example of this is a book that was too nuanced to do in a typical two hour movie. Right. And I think they really did a good job. I didn't read the book, but I think they did a really good job of keeping that series interesting week to week. And it was well shot, obviously well acted. Brie Larson is fantastic in it. And it's just a really good example of the use of a limited series. But that's a standalone IP. It's not part of something big like Star Wars or Marvel or whatever. So my question for us is, if it's favorite book we've read or something we're looking forward to, do we want more film installments? Like, do we want DC and Marvel and Star Wars and Star Trek to continue with these streaming services and, and st streaming series? Or do we want them to go and to return, I guess, to films? And so for Marvel to go back to like, no, 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 one or two films a year, they're intertwined, but they're all their own standalone thing versus feeling like you have to catch up and watch like six or eight episodes of this and six or eight episodes of that. So Stephen, where do you stand on limited series versus tentpole movies? I actually don't mind limited series, just the just the watching habits of my household. It's just so, sometimes it's nice to be able to watch something that's 45 minutes to an hour while we eat dinner or if you know the bulk of the people are home and we, we just want to hang out and watch something short um, for the evening, I should say, because I, you know, it's obviously more of a time commitment to watch it over a longer period. But the, the, the nice thing that I like about series is that it gives us, well, we don't have to sit there and spend a half hour trying to figure out what thing we want to watch. If we start a series, then we know there's, there's eight right. episodes and we like, okay, we've, you know, for the next, however, number of weeks we've got this as our, Wednesday evening thing we watch when we know everyone's home kind of thing. It's just having having that like a smaller thing to look forward to, I think is really like we've been watching, what is it? The Wheel of Time as something we've been p picking away at. So I know it's uh, season two came out, I forget when. And so we've been just sort of picking away at that as our, as our series show that we can watch. And so I'm I'm a fan of the series still, but I don't, I guess I'm getting tired of the you need to watch this series in order for the movie series. Like the, uh, yeah, you need to, you need to watch all of these TV series in order for the greater MCU movie 
franchise and series to make sense. I find it's, you know, when it used to be the movies were the thing that kept you getting out to see the storyline moving forward. I liked those big, large, I guess for me, viewing events in the theater and then coming to watch a movie. If you didn't feel like watching you know, WandaVision or you didn't feel like watching what, you know, I liked WandaVision, but just as an example. Yeah. Then if you, if you watched um, the last Dr. Strange movie and she's in it and it's got, you know, without the context of that TV show, suddenly it's like, Oh, that's what's going on here. Kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm tired of the, of all the movie slash TV show tie-ins with each other. It'd be nice if they use the TV series to be more of a, Oh, we've introduced a new character and this is their backstory. So you so you know when the next movie comes out, it, maybe the movie is going to be, you know, and 100% enjoyable with or without this information. But if you've watched the TV show, you understand more about where this character is coming from. So people could enjoy it on another level, but people who haven't seen the TV show aren't necessarily missing out. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it does. And I think a good example is what they've been doing with Star Wars, The Mandalorian specifically, because if you are familiar with all the films, then there's all these Easter eggs in The Mandalorian that has everybody mm-hmm. like pointing and whistling at the screen. Like, I get that reference. I know what's going on here. But there's lots of people that are just, you know, they've seen Star Wars maybe once and, you know, the series and they're not as steeped in it, but they thoroughly enjoy The Mandalorian because it stands up in its own right. And then vice versa, if you're watching the Star Wars films, you don't really need to see The Mandalorian at all. If you haven't seen them, then it it doesn't affect episodes nine, you know, through 11 or whatever, like, or or seven Mm -hmm. through nine. Like they just, they have done a good job. Now, obviously there is a movie from Filoni that's going to tie Ahsoka and The Mandalorian and stuff together, but that's more of a payoff because you watch the series, not that you, you know, it's not that you are required well i guess it does have that required viewing but there's they're in the right order you know like there's been enough time and there's been enough hype around these series that people have probably seen them that if you care about the movie that feloni is directing you've probably already watched the stuff that he's made for tv and and that's a good balance but i i hear you on the marvel stuff and i think that what's happened is like they had all these major characters and then endgame happened and some people died or went away their stories ended otherwise and then they went to the second tier. Well, the second tier was doing the series and that's fine. But then they're making the second tier, the first tier. So then all of these tertiary, you know, not required reading in the, in the series that was on, you know, Disney plus are now required because they, these are the, now the the major players in Marvel, as opposed to just like the B tier. And that, that's, I think what puts the pressure on to, to kind of keep up with all of it. And I like, I don't know, like for me, I really enjoy when there is more time to tell a story. They're not cutting corners. There doesn't feel like the story is ham fisted into like a little, I say a little, most films now are close to three hours, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's not jammed into three hours. Like Kenobi, like that's a miniseries that I would not want to watch in two and a half to three hours. I'm glad that it was six you know, episodes. And I think they, they varied in length a little bit based on what story they wanted to tell. And I think that worked very, very well. And, uh, I think that that's, and there's other series that have out, that are out there that have done it as well. And I, you know, arcane that you mentioned earlier, that's another really good example too. Um, whereas like that could have been a film and could have been like big theatrical release, but like they couldn't have crammed all that story in there and it, it would have suffered because of it. And 
there's just such a big robust world in Arcane to build out that I think you need the time to do it. And if studios have the patience and they're not trying to just jam something out, then I think it's it's worth it. And I'm seeing yeah. it more and more in animation now, actually. The tough thing is, though, it's like, I, I totally agree with you taking the time to actually tell the story properly with the number of however many episodes you need to tell the story. But it seems to be this, and we've talked about it in different shows in the past, but it's like almost like the TV shows get the, you know, the short end of the stick with special effects budgets. And so it's almost like you're getting the story that you want, but at a lower quality than you would normally get it if it were a movie. So it's just this weird, I don't know. No, that's fair. Yeah. If it's yeah. not a big thing like, you know, Star Wars, you know, or, or Marvel, that can be a little bit hokey. Although I say Marvel, sometimes the effects on Marvel series have not been, not been the greatest. Yeah. James, where do you stand on the limited series versus film? I think you kind of touched on some of my feelings already. I am kind of overwhelmed by the number of limited series, especially in the MCU. You know, you kind of touched on, touched on it, Joel. I am that fan who was really into the MCU up until Endgame and even after Endgame, like the first couple of Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, really into it. But then there was kind of that, you know, cooling off period, right? After Endgame and Spider-Man as... You know, we just had the big climax and now we're going to cool down. We're going to make that pivot to the next phase of the MCU. That's when the TV shows came out. That's also where I kind of fell off because, you know, like you said, these characters who I've been watching for years have reached the end of their story. Now what? And now, years later, if I want to go back to the MCU, I have that thought in my head of like, can I pick up the newest movie and understand what's happening if I haven't watched the shows? Do I need to watch the shows? And then I sign into Disney Plus and I'm like, wow, there are a lot of shows. I got to, do I have to watch all these? And you've touched on this actually in previous episodes before, you know, the idea that it really isn't as mandatory as, as it, it might appear to be, but there's just that sense of I'm so behind and I'm never going to catch up. And it, it almost discourages me in a way, you know, there's just so many of them. Some of the Star Wars ones I've watched, I did really enjoy. I, I watched Obi-Wan. I thought that looked Number one, I thought it looked really good in 4K on the big TV. Uh, and number two, I, I just thought it was a, a good show and a good limited series that filled in a, a nice spot in the, the Star Wars timeline. Uh, but I haven't really touched too many more of the, the Star Wars stuff. I know Andor was really popular. I think that was this year. Um, I haven't watched that yet. But overall, I, I'm just kind of discouraged by how many there are. And I just feel so behind that I, I, I almost can't watch the movies now. To your point, Stephen, like, some of the shows are tied to the movies and, and just trying to yeah. figure out which ones which ones to start with is is tough. If you're not keeping up with it, you know, all the time, um, you can fall behind pretty quick, or at least you feel like you fall behind pretty quick. Steven, did you think that the Marvels would have been as enjoyable if you hadn't watched the Miss Marvel series? Uh no. No, you I mean for for me in that sense, yeah, for me, because I read the comic. Oh, right. I knew who Kamala Khan was. The TV show in India, I guess, not sure the best way to say it, cinematic Marvel, including the TV shows and, and the movies, they, they've treated her powers differently. So I don't, I think you kind of need to see Ms. Marvel, the TV show, to, I think you should see it anyway. It's the, the unfortunately, the special effects were not super. Some of the storyline just did not live up to the comics. But Kamala Khan is like the character itself. She's so, enjoyable to watch and she really gets a chance to shine in the marvels that i think it's worth 
at the very least kind of just going through it quickly to get a sense of what the lore is because you, you get to find out what her source of power is in the tv show and right. that comes up in the movie so it's yeah i almost feel like the thing that would be even more confusing to somebody who hasn't seen the series is just the relationship with her family and how they tie into the film yeah and they're I, I imagine... they're excellent in the film <laughs> they, they they are but i feel like if i went into the movie without having had that context of like how they know about her powers and stuff it would be a bit like what hang on just yeah they what you you you, you would feel like you're missing something yeah and then monica rambo in the Marvels, you would have kind of need to watch. Need, you would have needed to watch Wandavision to know where she came from, at all. Yeah, yeah. she's actually. I might be getting the names mixed up. So in Captain Marvel, there was the daughter of Captain, the original Captain Rambo. I can't remember the original Captain Rambo's first name, but so the daughter was Monica Rambo, and she's and so she. This is her grown up later, because the original Captain Marvel took place in 1995 i believe it was and so she's older now she's she's one of the three so if you didn't watch yeah wandavision you would have no idea where she came from she's suddenly there with powers so that one you would almost you would need to watch almost all the way through to get who she is and why she's in the marvels Marvel certainly doesn't help themselves with these limited series or series that lead into films when they jump around in time you're like you're trying yeah. to figure out was this before the snap after the snap is it like is it back way back in like 1995 or are we talking like is this after the the death of tony stark and are we moving on like what like where are we in the timeline as we are handling all this and i mean it's, it's sometimes they, they'll give you a solid reference and other times they just don't and you're yeah. you're left sitting there going like okay well these are major events that are happening in this TV show. How have we never heard about this before? <laughs> you know, like... Speaking of timeline, though, I feel like Captain Marvel would have really benefited from like a, either a, a Disney Plus movie or like a really short run uh, series of her own to bridge the gap between the Captain Marvel movie and the Marvels. Because I think you and I touched on it when we 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 chatted on. Um, I'm not sure it was last month or the previous month, but there is like basically the reason why the Marvels, like the problem with the Marvels is because of a huge thing that happened in between the Captain Marvel movie and the Marvels, which I think would have been a really, really interesting story that would have kind of bridged the gap. So that could have been something that would have loaned itself to a short series maybe, but because the first movie took place in 1995 and the second one took place now, they could have made that series or that other movie take place in 2004 like out of out of time with everything else just have it be its own story because you know sort of like they did with wonder woman 1984 or whatever it was it was its own standalone thing that didn't have anything to do with the original or current dc movie storylines it was its own thing right in the middle so it's been nice to see that yeah i was just gonna say that where these shows are moving around in the timeline and now there's multiverse elements too um it doesn't make the shows as evergreen as you might think because mm. you know, it's hard to go back to some of these shows and especially just, just the nature of TV in general now. It's like instead of a 45-minute episode with a clear beginning, middle, and end uh, and a self-contained story, now you're getting these six, eight, ten-episode seasons and it's one story all the way through. And those individual episodes are a little less evergreen. Those 
shows in the case of the MCU where they're all part of this bigger story and they move around the timeline so much they're less evergreen you can't watch it in any order you can't pick a your favorite episode and just kind of watch that again you know what yeah. i mean and that that makes it hard to approach some of that stuff alistair when it comes to star trek lately it's been entirely series and not limited series necessarily they've been mostly full-on seasons of of mm. shows do you see any return to star trek films anytime soon soon probably not um I, i'm sure that they will do at some point there's there's certainly you know murmurs they they are doing well that being said they are doing a tv movie uh, they had Section 31 that they'd kind of teased that was going to be a spin-off from Discovery and was going to be a limited run series, but that is now just a, a, a full TV movie with Michelle Yeoh. So that's something that we are getting, but it's not going to be a theatrical release. As for theatrical releases, I know that they're, they're trying to continue the JJ um, universe, um, the Kelvin timeline ones, and potentially get a star trek 4 but that's been challenging for many many reasons and to be honest when it comes to star trek star trek does best on tv and hmm. i think that like we've been saying like mcu does its best in film you know at the theater uh, star trek i think having the jj um, universe and exploring that timeline continuing as films I think is actually a really interesting thing to do separate to the TV series because then you've got two distinct universes that aren't really tying in with each other. They can do their own thing. And I think that that then speaks to the strength of both of them. And even with the series that we've had with Star Trek, there's even though they're sharing this universe, there's callbacks to various things. They're all completely standalone and they're all completely different. So... Somebody who likes Lower Decks may not like Discovery. Somebody who doesn't like Prodigy may love Strange New Worlds. There's, there's something for everybody, which I think is also really, really smart with how they've done it. I agree with you. I think that Star Trek it sings on TV better than it does in the theaters in general. I still have yeah. a couple of soft spots for one or two of the original series movies and then also the next gen movies a couple of those are favorites and i really like the the jj abrams series a lot of that has to do more with the actors that are involved and they're modern films and there's a lot of action and, and fun in them yeah but yeah. um from what i've seen of strange new worlds as much as i've enjoyed it, it it's a little on the hokey side for film you know like they can get away with that kind of stuff i feel like in in tv but you would not It'd have to be a more serious film, I think, for it to get the box yeah. office grandeur that they would want, right? Plus, with Star Trek on television, it's always been like a morality play. And there's a lot of character-driven stuff. And this is one of the reasons why people feel that Star Trek and the Next Generation's first two seasons weren't their strongest, because they didn't get character-driven until season three. And that's one of the things where you can really explore that with a TV series. With Strange New Worlds, they are doing the same thing. They're focusing on, like, here's an Uhuru episode, here's a Spock episode, and you get to really dig deep into that. With a film, they do, a lot of the time, try and replicate a little bit like what we had with The Wrath of Khan. And we, I mean, especially with Into Darkness as well, because that was pretty much just the same thing. But it's the idea that there is an overarching villain that they have to stop. 
and it's almost like that's the formula you have to do to make a big movie. You need to have like either the Borg or the Romulans or the Klingons. There's got to be you know or, or some individual like in Star Trek Five where you've got Cybok. There's got to be some big villain to defeat. Whereas on the TV shows, it doesn't have to be a villain. It can be a circumstance. It, you know, it can be a mystery. There's so much more that they can do variety-wise. That's kind of the weird thing about Star Trek, too. It's like, if you look at sort of where uh, the most up-to-date timeline of Star Trek is, it's kind of in a weird spot. Like, the mm. Borg, we've seen a lot of recently. The Romulans, uh, the Romulan Empire has completely crumbled. The Klingons are our friends now. They're kind of isn't that big bad in star trek right now that you could make a movie around right it's in a weird spot and for me it's also like when you're saying as well joel about you know what makes the most sense for these temple things one of the things that's actually had me thinking about this a lot is actually related to stargate because we've got a really weird situation with that now where it started as a movie then they made a spin-off tv show which then spun off two additional shows and they were going to continue the movie series but they stopped they they decided not to because they didn't want to confuse things with a tv show and a movie that weren't connected going off and doing their own thing but amazon have now bought mgm stargate is now an ip that they've got and there's been a lot of talks about them bringing it back there's a lot of rumors there's a lot of just questions in the air they were actually going to be bringing in a new series made by the series creator Brad Wright. But when that purchase happened, all the deals he had with MGM just got dropped. So it's very possible that we don't end up with a continuation. We end up with a completely new reboot. They also don't know, is it going to be a movie? Are they going to do the trilogy that was kind of planned initially? Or are they going to do just something else? Are they going to do a whole new series like they did with SG-1, but just different or will they do a limited one series it's it's so up in the air and with a sh- series like stargate i don't know what works best i know for mcu it's movies i know for star trek it's tv a show like stargate i'm really not sure and that's where it makes me sort of think that there's not always like a, a set answer as to what works best I, I don't know if that kind of resonates with you uh, at all joel I think it also depends on the quality and the patience that the production company is putting into something. Yeah. It's not perfect, but rings of power was very enjoyable and more enjoyable as a series than as another film or a film trilogy. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I think that that, that had a great budget. Uh, I think the only thing was that some of the writing was rushed and didn't sit well with me. And that was only at the end for the most part, I really enjoyed the whole thing. It was more like they didn't stick the landing as well as I think they should mm-hmm. have. Uh, but that to me is an example of taking things that were in film, moving into the series successfully. Uh, and in a way that is still the singular story, like you're still affecting the same world. It's not like a different universe or, you know, anything like that. And it's not a spin off. It's like, it's a, it's still telling more of the middle earth tales. Yeah. It's more of a prequel of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're taking some creative liberties, but there's also like this giant hole. I can't remember the exact dates or wording or whatever, but essentially, you know, there's all this stuff that happens with Galadriel in 
the Rings of Power series. And there's like, there's no record in Tolkien's writings. It's just, she's here in one era. And then she's the next time you'd hear from her or hear of her, she's in a completely different place at a completely different time. And there's like a thousand years or something in between where like anything could have happened. And so they're mm-hmm. kind of filling in the gap. And so that's cool in that they're not tied to like any other, you know, they're tied to the world and the rules of the world, but not necessarily like historical events. They can kind of play around with that kind of stuff, which makes it fresh, you know, because I don't necessarily always want to go and watch a movie that I know kind of like what things are happening. And that brings me to, I think, the last question, which is a shorter one for this roundtable, which is when you're looking at these things, these movies or series, whichever you prefer or whichever works best for the story, do we want more from the franchises we love you know, Transformers 7, Star Wars 12, Star Trek 1105, you know, like, like what, what do we (laughs) want, um, from these, or do we want new things? Do we want, uh, I know Arcane is from a video game, but like, you know, Arcane is new to animation and, and series. It's always, it's based on the, the riot kind of universe stuff. Do we want more, fantasy and more sci-fi in that realm rebel moon i guess is a good example of sci-fi starting something new although i feel like with sci-fi it's harder because so much of it either just looks like star trek or looks like star wars and i'm trying not to pass judgment early but boy does rebel moon look like star wars like it it really (laughs) has laser swords and blasters and you're just like okay like i get it like laser guns are laser guns but like it it really does have that star wars vibe it was actually written as a Zack Snyder pitched a uh, a more mature story like offshoot storyline of Star Wars mm. uh, back back in the early development days. So it's you're you're not wrong. It it has yeah. that look for a reason. And I'm all for people being inspired by their favorite stuff as well. You know, I, I think that there's lots of things that are out there that are action movies. Like John Wick is a really good example of an action series that is very comic inspired you know, and, and has that kind of vibe to it and works very well. But, um, for me, I think I'd want to see more original fantasy stuff, which can be just as hard to kind of make yourself feel more unique from the world of Tolkien goblins and orcs and elves and humans and all that stuff, dwarves. And I think one example, while it's, it wasn't executed the best, the Witcher series is a cool fantasy world that's different. Like you, you're not mm. confusing it with Lord of the Rings at all. And you are 100% invested in the world because they did a decent job of the world building. The storytelling plot wise lost me, but I think overall it was a good original series or, or new to visual medium in terms of, you know, acting and live action. Cause I know that it was a book before and then it was a video game after that. So I, I'd like to see some new stuff and it doesn't have necessarily have to be like brand, brand new, but there's lots of things out there, books and games and different IPs that have not yet made it to either a limited series or a film. And I think I'd rather see more of those because I feel like we're starting to get into the realm of like Bad Boys 4 and Kung Fu Panda 4 and like there's just yeah. a lot of stuff that's just seems like it's kind of tired and serialized and they just, they see the dollar signs and not necessarily trying to make something unique. One trailer that I saw recently, I don't know if I'm really excited to go see it, but it looked fun was if starring Ryan Reynolds and directed by John Krasinski. 
and if is short yeah, for yeah. imaginary friends and it has the whole detective pikachu vibe where it's like live yeah. action but then there's an absolute ton of animated characters around and basically from what i can tell from the trailer um this young girl or like preteen girl kind of experiences some trauma and then it allows her to then see everyone else's imaginary friends but the problem is that all the imaginary friends kids have grown up and forgotten about them so these imaginary friends are looking for a friend and so they all pick her because she can see them and she's overwhelmed by the whole thing and then she's <laughs> it looks like the story is her trying to find homes for these imaginary friends and i believe ryan reynolds plays some sort of like not Santa Claus, but like he plays some sort of like man upstairs or a human in charge of all of the misfit imaginary friends. And that's kind of his role in it. And it just, it looks unique and fun and it's a family film. Like It's one of those things that just kind of is going to, it's going to be very accessible. It's not going to be Shakespeare, but it's probably going to be fun. Even the intro of that trailer gave really big Monsters, Inc. vibes as well. Yeah, yes. that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I, I want to see more of that. And I think the hard part is just standing out, you know, when you've got the MCU 10 years plus, you've got Star Wars doing all kinds of different series and Disney Plus pushing that. And then you've got uh, a couple of things on, on Netflix and that kind of stuff all going. Uh, Amazon has got a, a number of series that are, that are going now too. Like I really enjoyed Jack Ryan uh, Reacher season two just hit Amazon. So that's out now. They're not in that sci-fi fantasy thing. Like they're just, they're, they're unique shows and they're cool. But I, like specifically, I was trying to think of more of the kind of genre that I really, really enjoy the escapism that I really, really like. James, do you have anything that you're, that you'd like to see brought to, live action or or do you have a preference with like you just want more installments of one of your favorite franchises i'm selfish i want both i want more new installments and i want <laughs> new ideas um so like on the one hand i i don't mind more installments but more than that i think what i like is when an existing franchise gets like a nice creative reinterpretation so we've talked before about star wars visions for example i thought that was a great kind of breath of fresh air great new twist on star wars uh to borrow something from 2023 one of my favorite anime was the show called trigon stampede and, and trigon was a manga series anime back in the 90s and again new creators brought a breath of fresh air to this show and put a whole new spin on it and really made it their own and i find those kind of reinterpretations really fascinating uh especially for big franchises at the same time though It'd be nice to see some new sci-fi that's a little more optimistic. I like my dystopian sci-fi, don't get me wrong. I like Battlestar Galactica, I like Ghost in the Shell, talked about that over the years. But it'd be nice to see more sci-fi borrow from Star Trek a little bit. It'd be a bit more optimistic. I just feel like sci-fi has been stuck in that dystopian kind of feel for a while now. Even Star Wars, to agree. There's been a lot of just that dark, gritty, dystopian sci-fi, and I'd like something a little more positive and optimistic. That's why it's great to see so many Star Trek shows out. They, most of them uh, are a bit more optimistic. Picard gets a little, little nitty-gritty at times. But yeah, it'd be nice to see some more optimistic sci-fi in the future. I agree. That's one of the reasons I've actually been really enjoying Quantum Leap, which is a continuation of the original series. And it's it's simplistic. Um, you know, it's it's not you know, sort of hard-hitting and stuff, but it's fun. And they are definitely going for a very optimistic tone. 
and I really love just how it is starting to develop over time. They've just wrapped season two, and I'm looking forward to uh, to what happens next season. And but yeah, that's I think is really the only one that's actually out at the moment that is optimistic outside of Star Trek. I forgot about Quantum Leap. I should go look that up. I I enjoyed the original series. Glad to hear it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. Uh, it's it's by the same. It's by um, Donald Belisario who created the original series. He has made a few tweaks since the original series, but I do like what he's done with it. As time goes on, you start to see how they're developing it, and it's worth sticking with in that regard. I had high hopes for Wheel of Time, which I know you're watching, Stephen. I bailed after a few episodes into the second season just because I found it constipated and I couldn't really follow what was going on because no <laughs> one would actually say what they were feeling. They would just kind of look at the camera and go, and you're just like, I don't know what you mean. Like, could you give me right. more? Uh, and if you don't know the books or don't know the source material, then you're kind of at a loss. So how, how like how are you feeling about it as like a new fantasy or new to us fantasy show? For me, I saw a clip on TikTok. I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. What's that from? And then I found that it was from the Wheel of Time. Then I went to IMDb and it looked like, you know, people were complaining about season one and the the season finale had like, I don't know, a six point something. So we, we went into it with not the highest of expectations. And it's and so I guess we haven't been let down. We're actually enjoying it quite a bit. Um, haven't we, we just finished season one. And so we haven't had a chance to do season two yet. But it's uh, I think it's pretty it's interesting. The the special effects in season in the season finale of season one were it's like they just said, well, we, we have these Trollocs, these uh, troll like characters, and the, we're going to put them in a dark valley in the shadow. Oh, but they're hard <laughs> to see. So we'll like HDR the heck out of this so that you can see in the shadows. And so like the shadows were almost as bright as the highlights. It was just this really, really weird mm -hmm. highlight shadow choice. I have no idea why they did it, but. But I mean, storyline-wise, I find it interesting. It seems like it's an original. Different parts of it are pretty original to me. So, so far, so good. I think one of the problems that it gets online is that it's from a pretty well-read book series that's really yeah. deep. And just like anything, if you've got a big following in the literary space, if you leave anything out, which you ultimately have to do if you're translating novels <laughs> to screen, like you just you're going to you can't please everybody. Right. And then the loud internet ends up, you know, crapping all over your, your thing. I mean, I'm seeing it as a 7.2 in IMDb and an 83% Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not panned. Like it's not terrible. No. Um, it, I've, I found it a little inaccessible in season two. I also, it's been a really long time since I watched season one and I had the same sort of feelings that you did. There's a couple of spots where I was like, this doesn't feel like it's well-made. I remember talking about it on the Citadel Cafe being just like, I, this makes me concerned for Lord of the Rings because like <laughs> the streaming quality. And then, like you said, the HDR and the filming quality was just not there. And you're like, this is washed out and it's hard to see. Like, I want to see like those sets and those costumes look amazing. And I can't see them because they're blurry or they're in the dark or they're overlit and you can't see the details. Yeah. And so it became kind of a battle visually and that gets distracting and then you're not paying attention to all the constipated acting that was happening. So, and I like, I like some of the actors and some of the characters are cool and it's interesting concepts. Like I can't remember the names of everything, but like the main woman and her powers and she's got a, a consort, like she's got a protector in their relationship. It's kind of this, it's a unique thing that I've not seen in a fantasy world before. Like it's different than the Witcher. It's different than Lord of the Rings. So that kind of stuff I thought was cool. 
Um, but I found it hard to to get into. And I think that these series could do a better job of slowing down. You know, like if, you, if there is a famous fantasy mm-hmm. novel out there that someone wants to bring to Amazon or Netflix or whatever, I like I'd be down for a slow season, you know, like a like a slow burn, build the world and build a couple of key characters. Like you don't have to have six, like build two and make them important and choose the actors carefully and like and take your time to build something. And I think that just like the DC universe, a lot of series end up rushing it and then because you're like, I didn't read the book. So like, I don't, I don't, I'm not following. This seems to be moving at a really, really fast pace. And again, to bring up Arcane, I think that was a series that did that very well. Like they, they had a decent pace, but they were able to build the world and kind of like, you'd have a question and it would be answered either that episode or the next episode. And then they would kind of move on and build out the world from there. And I thought that was, that was really, really cool. So we'll move on into the Internet Minute, which is brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite into the member-only Discord server, which is shared with my personal Discord, and give you access to the Barista Cut bonus audio sessions. Special thanks to the Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thank you ever so much for your support on this episode. And thanks to all of our patrons over the past year that have continued to support the Citadel Cafe. It is no small thing and is not lost on me that the time that goes into making the Citadel Cafe is sponsored by all of you. It really helps make the show possible, and I can't thank you enough. Patron count is at 27, which is down one from last week. So if you'd like to join, there's lots of room. If you'd like to be patron number 28, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I'm going to keep these short and sweet as we are pressing up against a longer show this time around. And I have a little bit of a holiday recommendation. Stella Catherine Cole or Stella Cole on Instagram and Apple Music. You can also find her on Spotify as a jazz singer. And I believe she's based in New York. Uh, she travels around singing. So she's always in different places around the world doing like jazz lounges and stuff. She has a classic voice. She's incredibly talented and she starts to sing and you just, it sounds like the twenties and thirties or classic Christmas carols, which she's been doing a lot of on social media. So if you want to hear snippets of your favorites, go check out Stella Catherine Cole on Instagram. We'll have links in the show notes, but she has a single out called Christmas dreaming. And that's on Apple music and Spotify. And I know she's trying to get a lot of people to go at least listen to it, like it, kind of bump it up on the charts. So if you enjoy it, then do your best to share it around. She's independent. She doesn't have a label. So this is all her own doing. I believe she has to support like the studio fees and all that kind of stuff herself. But she's just so, so talented. And one listen and you'll understand exactly what I mean. So uh, check out Stella Catherine Cole on Instagram or Apple Music. James, what's your pick this week? Uh, I do have a pick. I have a YouTube video, a little bit of context for my pick. Uh, Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes, released a new book in 2023 called The Mysteries. And it's sort of described as a fable for adults. Uh, And the book is actually a collaboration between him and uh, this famous caricature artist, uh, John Cashed. I think I'm pronouncing that right, Cashed. The two of them collaborated on the images together, and the story is written by Watterson himself. And to talk about the uh, release of the book, they put out this YouTube video. It's about 15 minutes long with an audio interview with the two of them talking about collaborating on the images together. Uh, It's really fascinating to hear two really accomplished artists talk about their struggle to collaborate with each other 
and put together this book. Uh, so I included that, and I think that'll be in the show notes. I thought it was a really fascinating watch. Stephen, what's your pick this week? Mine's a bit of an odd one, but it's a, a text-to-ASCII art generator. It's a, a little gem of a website I found ages ago that basically allows you to type in any words you want to, and it'll create ASCII artwork, which is basically means it'll it'll take other characters and then recreate your word as like a large a larger version made up of different characters and I, and I've been uh, doing some freelance web design and then, and I've which reminded me of it because I I would use that to actually create really large headers for my code so when I'm scrolling through code quickly it's you know if there's a section in my styles that's a specific about headings or column widths then it's just this massive word that says headings and call them so it's it just uh, allows me to just scroll through stuff really quickly and uh yeah, it makes it a lot easier to to weed through th- hundreds and hundreds of lines of texts and alistair what's your pick this week mine's one that was actually released on christmas day of last year but it just uh, came up in the youtube algorithm for me uh just in in the last week or so it's from a channel called cinema therapy and the video is called relationship therapist ranks love actually romances uh, so it's by Alan Seawright, who's a filmmaker, and Jonathan Decker, who's a licensed therapist. And they basically just take a look at this romantic Christmas classic that has not aged well. And uh, they <laughs> kind of go through, like, which are the relationships that were doomed for failure, um, that are horrible with, you know, just, you just don't want to be in those. Uh, but they build their way up to the healthiest relationships i do like that they do it in that order um and so there are a couple in there where they really kind of point out but it's it's really interesting especially when they go through alan rickman and emma thompson's performance which is by far some of the most outstanding part of that movie it's really nice seeing them break down that relationship and and how they they did all of that that i thought was uh, an interesting one and and somewhat christmassy well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe and the year on the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Find the show by name on social media. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, really wherever you can find a podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. It's a great way to boost the podcast as well as word of mouth. It's the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online at joelduggan.com. That includes my other podcast all about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com. Pre-recorded episodes during December. Those new episodes will be airing every Monday, so we are not going to miss a week over the holidays. So check out thespunchunks.com or again on your favorite podcast app. I'm Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch. I normally stream about three or four days a week, but that schedule is going to be shifting a bit over the holidays because I normally stream on weekends and both holidays this time of year happen to be over the weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Big thank you to James the Civilian, who is like the wind everywhere and nowhere. Thanks for being here, James. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. <laughs> you can find Stephen at Stephen ESC on Twitch and on social media. Thanks so much for taking the time, Stephen. Good to see you as always. Yeah, happy to be here. And Alistair can be found at Long Range Sensors, a Star Trek retrospective podcast, and at Alistair McFly on Twitch. Thanks again, man. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Absolutely. Always is. You have been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.